tug on your pastor a little bit because he's not here. Is that okay? I really love your pastor and Olivia. I, they are... They're really fantastic people. In addition to the fact that every time I come here, I, I see them, spend time with them, and then when we have all of these, you know, district minister kind of things, and then, you know, I see them, and I always look forward to seeing them, and then he and I have been on a couple committees together in this past year. He's just, he's just the real deal. Your pastor is the real deal. You guys are blessed. You guys are really blessed. And I love Olivia because she just, every time I, 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 it's the same thing I feel like with her. Every time I'm with her, I'm like, there's no pretense. There's, she just is who she is. She loves Jesus. And I just like people like that. Is that okay to say? I mean, I just don't have a lot for the facade. You know what I'm saying? I just, she just is who she is. So I want to thank them. I don't know. I, I doubt they're listening right now, but you know, um, <laughs> I want to thank them for the invitation and then also for the leadership team here. I always love coming back. Whenever I walk in the front door, I'm like, I know I'm going to be among friends. So thank you guys for being so incredibly open and uh, welcoming to me since I think the first time I spoke here was 2004, so we're working on eight years now. I keep coming back, so sorry, I'm going to keep coming back if that's all right. So, uh, but anyway, thank you again to the entire team. Thank you, Shell, the whole team, all of you guys uh, for uh, being so open and welcoming to me. Um, I, eight months ago, I, I did something that caused people to think that I was a little more than crazy. How's that for a setup? <laughs> Eight months ago, I did something a little, bit, a little bit unusual. I moved in August into a freshman dorm. I <laughs> said, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think my mom said the same thing initially first. I moved it. Now, you got to understand, it's been more than 20 years since I lived in a dorm. I am somewhere north of 40. I'll just say north of 40. Hello. And uh, so it's been a little bit of time since I lived in, to a, in, a, in a residence hall. I moved into a freshman dorm with 450 freshmen. I know, right? I know. Now, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of the backstory here, and that's going to take us into our message. But basically, I haven't slept since August. How many of you guys know that? You know, I have not had a full night. Now, you're a, okay, you got a, a seven-week-old, one-day baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand this. Like, I have, I don't, I don't have a seven-week-old, but I've got 450 freshmen. I haven't slept since August, you know, not at least for a full night. And I love them. And I'm going to tell you guys some stories about what's been going on here. But um, as, as Shelly mentioned, my role, I am the district director here for our college ministry, as well as the area rep. So basically from Virginia to Maine is my territory, and I oversee our ministry. So we have about 35, 36 ministries planted on campuses all over the Northeast region. That's just one part of our whole nation. We've got about 300. And my job is to help us plant in places where we're not and grow in places where we are. So we want to get on the new campuses. In fact, we're really, really excited. We've got a new group that's finally just been uh, recognized at UMBC. We've been working on that for a couple of years. We're really thrilled about that. There's a great, great new group officially at UMBC. We also, you know, we're, we're seeing some just tremendous growth around the region. We've got a new group this next year, this next fall. It's going to be planting at Yale. I mean, that's like, that's not an easy campus, you know. Another one at UConn. I mean, just kind of all over our region. We've got, we've got some beautiful things that the Lord is doing. Some tremendous growth that has been going on. And then just, you know, that's kind of big picture. Then on kind of an individual level, I, I just think it was a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Fridays ago, uh, one of our groups um, had a, a prayer time and a baptism, a water baptism, and they baptized 18 new believers on one of our campuses. It's just so beautiful, you know. And I just I keep hearing about what God is doing around in the in the ministry that we we get to serve. And I mean, international students are finding faith in Christ. I mean, it's just this beautiful, beautiful thing that God has been doing. 
But in the midst of that growth, there was something still kind of going on for me. I mean, we were grateful. I was grateful for the growth, but I felt an increasing distance and an increasing isolation from, from people. Now, my role, because it's regional, I travel a lot, and so I'll be on the road, and I'll travel by myself, and I'll come home, and I live by myself, and um, I just felt like I was more and more isolated from community. Have you guys ever felt like that? Or have you, I mean, you know, I think that's why they, why, that's why Christian talked about life groups that you guys are on, because we, we need to do life together with people, and I realized that in the role that I had been, it was hard to do life with people when I was gone all the time. I had been living here for about seven years, but it felt like about half that time because I was on the road. And I realized that if something happened to me, everyone would think I was just on a trip somewhere. You know, I mean, I was like, I could be dead. And people would be like, where's Stefa? Oh, I think she's on a trip. And, like, nobody would know. And I, I realized was that, that doesn't seem healthy to me. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, in the midst of that, I had kept praying. I was like, God, I really feel like there, something needs to change. And I had, uh, an ex- I had a moment where... Um, I haven't shared this part with a lot of people, but I got a call one day offering me what was really kind of a dream job on the West Coast. And it was one of those things that was, came out of the blue. In fact, I really have only told a couple people this, so now, surprise, it's public now. Um, I had gotten this job, it was like what I would love to do, and it would be close to, to some friends of mine on the West Coast. And I went to a park that day because it was just so stunning. I was like, God, is this you? I've been praying and asking, something's got to go on. And I, I, I sat at the park, and I, and I just thought, you know, Lord, if this, is, if this is an opportunity you're putting in front of me, I want to I follow. But on the other hand, we're seeing so many things. We're starting to see so much growth here after years of sowing. I, I don't want to leave what we've been investing into. I just don't feel like we're done. And I really just I felt a conflict of what should I do. And I remember praying this prayer. I said, God, if you want me to stay here, Something in my life has to change. How many of you have ever had a gutsy prayer with God? It was one of those times where I, and I, there was a certain thump value to it. I was bold <laughs> with the Lord. Now, I had prayed this prayer before. I, it wasn't the first time I said, God, I need something to change. I'm, I'm tired of feeling isolated, tired of feeling like, you know, I'm just kind of going through this thing on my own. But it was one of those days where there was a lot of passion, should I say, uh, in my prayer request. So I say this to the Lord, God, if you, if you want me to, hear, to, to stay, then something has to change. About two weeks later, I shared that story with some friends of mine. I just said, you know, this has been going on, and I told the Lord, something needs to change. I just shared that with my friends over lunch one day after church. The next day, my friend got an email. He was serving as a chaplain in a residence hall, and he got an email saying, we have an unexpected opening for this August. Now, this was mid-June. Normally, they take applications in January. They said, we have an unexpected opening uh, for uh, a position. Do you know anybody who might be interested? My friend, 24 hours earlier, I had just been telling him something needs to change, and I had actually thought about doing that kind of thing. So he said, you know, I'm just going to forward this to Stephanie and see if maybe the Lord's in this. I'm not going to go through the entire story because it would take, although it was just like, you know, intervention of God, miracle upon miracle, for God to put this thing together. But as I'll fast forward to get into where we're going today, I turned in my resume. Now, my, my role with Chi Alpha hasn't changed, but this was kind of an ad thing. I turned in my resume at the end of June, and I needed some things to happen for it to work because I was leaving about two weeks later for a month. I needed to be invited to the interview. I needed to have an interview before I left town. 
and I needed them to be okay with the fact that I was going to be gone longer than they would want. Does that make sense? They needed me to be back the first week of August. I had already bought a ticket for second week of August. There are all these moving parts, all these reasons why it shouldn't work. But I said, God, if this is you, I just, I just want to follow you. Kind of that, you know, in the Bible, when, when the cloud would move forward, they would follow. When the cloud stopped, they would stop. It was the presence of God. God, if this is you. Again, fast forward. I, I won't go into the entire thing, but I was offered a position on July 8th. I got on a plane on July 9th. <laughs> Came back here on August 9th. Took three days to pack my house. Moved into a residence hall on August 13th and had my first responsibility August 14th. If any of you feels like following God is boring, you have not had my story. Since August 14th, since August 13th, I had been living in a residence hall in about 300 square feet. It's tiny. <laughs> Some of you look like you're doing the math. Like It's a tiny little apartment in the midst of a residence hall. I have a little tiny kitchenette. They don't even call it a kitchen. I have this tiny little place smack in the middle of 450 beautiful students that I get to live with and I get to serve and I get to love. It is the strangest thing I've ever done. <laughs> As I mentioned, some people thought I was just a little bit crazy. But during the month that I was gone, I had spent some time, I took some vacation time, then I spent some time with my family. My dad was sick a lot last year, and I wanted to take some extra time before the school year started to just plant myself near my dad. And I was going to work from the West Coast. And during that, during that month, I kept hearing, if I could say it this way, I kept hearing or bumping into this one verse that a lot of you will be familiar with. In John 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. One version says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I had one lady say to me, she said, I like the way the message Bible paraphrases it. says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And it struck me when I was gone during that month before I moved in. I was like, that's it, that's what I'm doing. I'm just moving into the neighborhood. I'm just moving into this residence hall. And I've been thinking about this a lot since then, and this is where we're going to go for the rest of today. Because there's something about presence. There's something about presence. There's something about just being there. Because I am present in this building with these 450 beautiful students, I was there for the young woman who came to my apartment and sat down on my couch and just broken, she said, I don't know what the definition of rock bottom is, but I feel like I just hit it. I was able to be present for a young woman. She emailed me said, can I meet with you? I, 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 so we set it up. I invited her in. I, she sat down on the couch. I said, well, what's on your mind? She said, I'm trying to find the meaning of life. <laughs> I was like, well, let's start there. <laughs> she said, I have never in my life considered if there's a God. She said, but I just had to take, I just finished a, a class where we were reading these philosophers and some of them talked about the existence of God and some of them talked about, you know, not believing in the existence of God. She said, it's never crossed my mind to consider whether there's a God. She said, we never talked about it growing up. I never thought about it. Here she is, 18, almost 19 years old, for the first time in her life thinking, is there a God? And she came to my apartment to talk about finding the meaning of life. <laughs> thinking about another young woman who... She came in. Every once in a while, I leave my door open 
And I don't do this all the time, but sometimes I just want to make sure that if people are walking by, they know they can just, you know. And I left my door open. There was a young woman who came in, and, and she sat down, and she said, I just need to talk to you. And she began to share with me that her high school sweetheart of two years, she just found out he had cheated on her. And she was just devastated. She was so broken. And she said, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you, but I was nervous about coming and knocking on the door. She said, so I thought to myself, if her door's open, I'll go talk to her. And she said, I walked up, and your door was open. She said, I just need to talk. Thinking about a young man I met with just a week and a half ago. Met with him again the other day. And he's from a culture where um, there's his, his family expectations are extremely, extremely high. And he's not doing well in school. And he sat there, I mean, literally just crying. I'm not talking about a couple tears. Like, I had to run and get the Kleenex kind of crying. And he was just crying as he's sitting there. And he said, you don't understand. I'm the eldest son. I cannot fail. He said, my mom, and he ended up, he emailed me about a week later. He said, mom has told me if I don't get my grades up, I can't come home this summer. And I talked to him again yesterday, and that's, they rescinded that. But the pressure that some of these kids are, are under. And then there was a young woman who had asked me, I was taking a grad school class last semester, and she asked me something about my paper. And she said, well, what did you write your paper on? And I really, I wrote my paper on the ethics of preaching. And so I told her, I said, well, the ethics of public speaking in a church setting. And so she said, well, what do you believe about the Bible? <laughs> I was like, well, and I began to share with her. She said, well, what do you believe about the tension between science and faith? I was like, well, let's talk about that. And for like 45 minutes, she kept peppering me with questions about my faith. And I I keep coming back to all these things wouldn't happen without presence, without just being there. They would have never looked for me before. It would have never happened. But there was presence. There's something about presence, isn't there? There's something about being with. In fact, when Jesus was introduced by Gabriel, he was introduced as Emmanuel, God with us. And I I think about this sometimes. I mean, I've heard people say, I, I can't remember if it's, you know, they say hundreds or thousands of promises in Scripture. I mean, the promises of God in Scripture, they are rich. But if we look at... I'm, you know, I'm, God, God is my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is my healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. He is, but I think if we take everything and sift it down, the one promise above all that stands is, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. I will be with you in sickness and in health, in poverty and in riches, in good times and bad. It's really what God's saying. I will be with you. I am your provider. You may not feel like I'm providing for you right now, but believe me, I'm providing. But I will be with you. Witness for God is everything. I think that's why the, the reality of hell is so stark. The idea that we would be separated. We would not be with God. That somehow we would be separated from his mercy. We would be separated from his love, his kindness. Separated. That's why it's so stark. That's why heaven, the picture of heaven is so beautiful. Although I like to think there's going to be like all the Mexican food ever, the best Mexican food ever in heaven, you know. To me, that's a little picture. But, but really, it's, it's with. It's being with God and with his people, with nothing separating us. I mean, it's, it's the picture of the Garden of Eden before sin. You know, have you ever think about that? Adam never had a bad day. Adam was never stuck in traffic. You know what I'm saying? It was like the perfection. Adam never had a bad quiet time, you know. But when sin entered... There was 
the breaking of the width. I mean, he and Eve actually literally covered themselves. They created a physical separation between them and God. They covered themselves. It was like, nope, nope, I'm, I'm ashamed, so I'm going to cover myself. There, now there's something that's broken with, the withness. Is that making sense? It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, the message, speaking really of Christ there. The word became flesh. The word Jesus took on humanity. It was not a facade. I grew up in L.A. and we, we lived near you know Universal Studios, some of the places where they would film things. And you could always see the facade in the front. And then you could see come around the back and it was, you can see, you know, that's not really a building. It's just a facade. Jesus didn't put the facade of humanity on. He, he got fully in. He said, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be fully human. And if I could say it this way, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but it was like he put all his chips on the table. He said, I bet everything on you. I, I, I give it completely. I give it all. I got nothing left. I bet it all on you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt means literally he settled. He literally, he pitched his tent is what that means. For the first century Jewish person, they would hear he tabernacled. They would hear the word tabernacle. That's not something we say very often now, but for them, it had centuries of meaning. When, when, when the first century Jewish person heard tabernacle, they, it was an immediate reminder of the exodus, the, the deliverance of God's people from slavery, their trek through the wilderness toward the promised land. That was the promise there, toward the promised land. And this tabernacle, and again, when, when they heard that God dwelt among them, they immediately went to tabernacle. The tabernacle was literally this large tent that was pitched, that was established in the middle of God's people. And that was where the Jewish people understood that God dwelled. That's where, that's where they met with God. That's where, that, that was the place of the appointed meeting place between God and his people, this tabernacle. So when they heard that Jesus came and dwelt among them, they immediately thought, the tabernacle, God in the midst of his people. This is where the glory of God was manifest. This is where the glory of God could be seen. God was present in the middle of his people, and they could experience his glory. Now, perhaps this is both a promise and an example for us. This is we're going to get a little bit more practical. Perhaps this is the promise. God planted himself among his people. In the messiness of God's people, God planted himself. How many of you are grateful that God did not wait until we had it all together before he planted himself among us? Come on now. Come on. We, I, we actually sang it in there. I, I, one of the songs up there, I was like, that is so appropriate for where we're going today. He did not It wasn't like Jesus said, okay, when you get it all together, I'm going to die for your sins. You know, I mean, we would be in serious trouble. We would be waiting a very long time. Because I don't know what you're like, but I know what I'm like in traffic. Okay, hello, you know. He did not wait, but it was in the messiness of humanity. I read a a great quote the other day. A wise man said, he was talking about the fidelity of God's love. And I think this absolutely fits. Again, there's something we sang today. So many of the songs, I was like, yeah, that's where we're going, that's where we're going, you know. He said, Jesus did, when talking about when, when God came to earth, Jesus did not run. God did not abandon his people. Love lived as faithfulness is not pretty sometimes. How many of you guys know that's true? How many parents know that's true? Sometimes, it's not, it's not always pretty sometimes. How many of you are married? You understand? It's not always pretty sometimes. How many of you, you understand my family? It's not always pretty sometimes. 
Love lived as faithfulness is not pretty sometimes. It can be messy as love is lived out in the brokenness and ambiguity of human living. But it is still love, so it is beautiful to behold. It's like God said, I will be with you even in your messiness. Now, how would this change us, friends? How would this change us if we could rest in the commitment of God to be with us even in our messiness? And please understand, when I say this, I'm not saying, okay, God accepts anything you do, so live like hell. I'm saying, what would happen if we as God's people said, even in my greatest messiness, God pitched his tent and said, I will be with you. That's stunning. That's, that's everything. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. It's messy and beautiful. I will be with you, even in your messiness. I, um, I see this a lot with my students, and maybe I recognize it in them so well because I see it in me. There, there's been so much of my Christian life where I've been trying to, I've been striving to earn God's acceptance. Would anybody be honest enough to say, I, that's me, I get that. I mean, go ahead, yeah, thank you, I appreciate your honesty. This, if, if we can't be honest here, it's never going to happen out there, come on. There's just way too many, and I, and I see too many people, and every time, you know, when I speak in different places, I, a lot of times I'll speak about something, I'm like, no, no, that, nobody's dealing with this. And then, you know, I'm like, is anybody dealing with this? And I'm like, that's me. You know, I'm like, you know, we're just, we're not, we're not, we're not all cooked yet. <laughs> we're not done. We're still, we're still cooking. All too often, we try to strive and be like, okay, well, if I do more, 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 then God will be pleased with me. And sometimes I want to look at God, and I'm like, God, have you met me? And I'm pretty sure God's like, have you met my son? God, have you met me? Did you hear what my son did on the cross? And he pitched his tent to be with us. So maybe this is a promise of God. I will be with you. And in the midst of his being with us, it changes us. So that we're not doing the old things. I'm not striving the way I used to. But being with God, being in his presence, actually transforms me as I rest and know that I am loved, it's not enough for me, you guys, just to sing it on a screen. i got to know it down here. I absolutely do. So that's a promise for us. It may also be for us an example to follow. Um, I, I re- this year that I've been living in this, in this hall, and I know not everybody can, you know, it's not like everybody's going to go do that, you know. <laughs> it's like, no way. You know, I mean, I, I joke, I mean, people say all the time, like, you live in a dorm? I'm like, yes, I could be their mother. You know, I'm, it's funny, I hear the students like, yeah, that guy's really old, he's like 30. I'm like, hello, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, well, you know, 30, you know, 30 is a long time ago, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it's just so interesting, living that people think, oh, you're, you're, are you crazy for doing that? Now, my answer is usually, sometimes crazy and called look like you know and um so i feel called to do this thing i feel an incredible amount of grace to do this thing i mean i didn't necessarily feel all the grace in the world the night we had not one but two fire alarms in the middle of the night you know that doesn't happen very often but you know the the alarm goes off and you're thinking are you kidding me and so you got to get dressed you got to go downstairs you got to stand outside for about 30 minutes till they let you back in and i'm i'm kind of the place in my life it's a little harder to fall back asleep once i get up than it used to be and so, you know, I'm lying there, and it's like an hour and a half later, and then all of a sudden the alarm goes off again. I'm like, really? Are you We get dressed, go back down, wait, it's good to see you again. Saw you two hours ago, you know. And, um, I mean, there, there are moments like that where there's not as much grace. But for the most part, when you know God has given you grace to do something that even other people think, are you crazy? 
you just know. Because God is with me. You just, God is with me. I, I, I don't live in that place alone. God is with me. It's been a, a refreshing reminder. I think sometimes we make ministry so hard. I think we make it far too complicated. And I love strategy. And I'm, I'm, man, I'll sit with, the, with people and we'll strategize about how we can grow this thing. And, but I think sometimes we just make it far harder than it needs to be. I mean, I, I am actually really restricted from a lot of things that I can do in that building. I can't do ministry in that building in the same way that I do ministry on college campuses around the region. And so really what it comes down to is I can be present. And I can have an open door. And I can welcome students in. And I feed them a lot of brownies. <laughs> I make 54 brownies a week. I'm not kidding either. <laughs> Every Thursday night, I have about 30 or 35 kids who come in, and they, we just, we're just together. And we just talk about everything from politics to religion to whatever, to whatever the latest class is. Presence matters. An open door matters. I can be present even in the messiness of what I see there. And I'm not going to lie to you, I have seen some messiness. I remember walking through the hall one day and there's a, a woman's, uh, two women in there and their, their door was open and right, right by the front door, one of the young women, she had just a massive box of condoms just right there. And I walked by, I was just like, I was like, oh honey, you don't know what you're presenting. You don't know what you're communicating. Maybe she did know what she was communicating. But my heart was just broken. I was like, no, you, you, that's just not what you want to communicate to any guy walking. Because any guy walking down the hall is thinking, she's ready. I hope that's not offensive. But that's the messiness of some of what I see in there. But I can be present. I can open my door, and when they come in, we can talk. How can we be simply present with the people? How can we simply be present with people and let the glory, the goodness of God show through our lives? I have a dear friend who came to faith in Christ Because in her words, there were two young women in her school who got close enough, long enough, that God could echo through their lives. They got close enough, long enough, that God could echo through their lives. And she says it this way. She she said, they offered me the presence of presence. They got close enough, long enough, that God could echo. So what's the point? We're going to wrap up here in in a couple moments. But what's the point? This is not your typical, here's three things you need to do when you go home kind of message. Presence matters. Your presence matters. Your presence matters where you work. Maybe we need to be reminded of that. Your presence matters where you live. Maybe your your neighbors, maybe if they just knew, hey, there's an open door policy here. If you need anything, we're here. We're here for you. What do you need? Presence matters. God offered us the gift of his presence. He did. I mean, it's just an... What a gift. And some of us, I think, need to be at peace with that. It's that whole thing of not trying to strive. You know, we sang earlier that, you know, God loves me. I think some of us need to know that God likes us as well. That God wants to be with you. Not because of he has to. Like, well, I'm God and I put the whole agape love thing out there so i got to live up to it. <laughs> he not only loves you, he likes you. And wants to be with you. How could that change us? How could that change us? Perhaps that would help some of us stop trying to persuade God to like us. He knows you're messy and he still pitched his tent near you. In fact, the, the beauty of God's presence is over the course, the long arc of redemption history, 
went from him. You know, God established his presence. He, you know, he pitched his tent. And then, and then God, his presence was known in the temple. And then when Christ came to earth, God's presence was known through the incarnation. And then when Jesus left, left his spirit, God's presence became alive in us and in his church. How beautiful. What a beautiful ark. It's not just that we have to go find the tent. But God's presence resides in us as his people and as his body. Perhaps one way we can learn to rest in God is, um, I was thinking earlier today on the way up, this kind of dropped in my heart. Remember uh, King David, he wrote in Psalm 131, he said, I have stilled and quieted my heart like a weaned child with its mother. It was almost like, like saying, um, okay, and, and you, you've got a brand new baby, so here's, you know, uh, you know a, a, a child that's not weaned is with its mother and, and wants something with its, from its mother, wants to be nursed. A weaned child who just wants to be with his mother wants to be with his mother for no other reason than he wants to be with his mother. There's, there's just nothing there. And I, I learned this lesson one day. I um, was at a team retreat one time, and my friend's little girl, I, I was sitting on the couch. I was eating a snack. My friend's little girl, Claire, she was maybe two and a half, three years old. She climbed up on the couch, climbed up into my lap, and got real close to me. And I have to be honest, I questioned her motive. I said, Claire... Did you want some of my snack? I figured that's why she wanted to, you know, because I'm eating something good. And her sweet little girl voice, she said, no, I just wanted to cuddle. <laughs> and I was like, you can have everything. You can have the snack. You want my car? How about my money? You know, I was just so totally blessed. I mean, I, I felt so convicted, too. I was like, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm questioning her motives, you know, her intention. I'm like, clearly, you just want my snack. No, I just want to cuddle. I just want to be with you is what she was saying. Maybe somewhere in the midst of this, we can learn, God, I I do have needs, but right now, I just want to be with you. And in the same breath, I I think sometimes we always think, okay, God, if I'm going to spend time with God, he's going to tell me these things I need to do, and I'm not living up, not living up. Maybe God's like, no, I just want to cuddle. (laughs) I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Presence matters. Presence matters in the lives of the people who are in our lives. How can I nurture the gift of presence with those in my life? Perhaps, uh, perhaps on a practical level, I think one thing for me, I can put down the smartphone. <laughs> this is not about, but I, you know, when I'm with people, sometimes I'm not with them. I feel challenged in this. You know, when I'm, I'm going to go next Saturday to be with my, my family for a few days. My dad, I mentioned, has been sick, and I've been trying to spend some extra time with them. Um, I just want to be present with him. I just want to be with my dad, you know. Maybe we can find ways to be present with the people in our lives. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap up in prayer uh, this morning. Um, actually, if we, is, the, is the full worship team here? Is the, I would like to go back and sing that first song that we sang the heart of worship, it just kind of comes back to the point. Um, I, I want us to do that as a, as a, you know, as a family unit here. Um, so in a moment, I'd like to do that. But before we do that, I, I do want us to pray. Um, I'd like to take a couple moments and just pray over that whole striving thing, that, that whole thing where it's like, somehow I've got to earn God's approval. And I, I, again, it, it's so really about what Jesus did. It's so really about the cross and the resurrection. I mean, I don't want to forget Easter. It was only a week ago. So I think sometimes we move on to the next thing. I think we still are in that season of recognizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What did that mean? 
It goes back to what I was saying earlier. God, have you met me? I'm a mess. And so I think God's like, have you met my son? But he did. I think sometimes God's like, you have no idea the gruesomeness of the death of Jesus and the power of the resurrection. Really, Stephanie? I, I think sometimes you're like, really, Stephanie? Really, do you think the fact that you, know, you didn't have a perfect day or whatever like that, really, do you think that overrides the power of the resurrection and the fact that I sent my spirit to be with you? Man, that's good news. That's very good news. Again, that is the gospel. We could come out of here today and we could tell each other three or ten or thousand things that we need to do to be better Christians. But let's start with the gospel. (laughs) This is the gospel. Father, we are just grateful. Just grateful. We honor your presence. God, it is extraordinary that you want to be with us in our messiness. And for those of us who somehow think we've got it all figured out, God, that's messier than anything in our, own, um, in our own pride, in our own striving, that we might think we could um, earn your favor, earn your love in some way. So God, we offer ourselves to you in our humanity, in our messiness, um, in our desire for you, in our just who, who we are. God, I, it's such an imperfect gift that we offer to you when we offer ourselves. But somehow, somehow, you accept us. And you say, yes, I give you my presence. God, I pray for every one of us here, wherever we are in this process, wherever we are on this journey. I pray that we would be mindful of your presence. God, if that means just for a moment, just even for a a couple minutes, just saying, you know what, I'm just going to stop everything and just be with God. Everything else goes away. I just, for a moment, I want to be like God, like the, like the weaned child with its mother. I just want to be with you. I'm going to still and quiet myself to be with God. And then, Father, that we could somehow offer that same gift to the world around us, to our neighbors, to our family. God, every student I talked about, the ones that were so broken, I mean, I I, I can't count the tears that were literally tears coming from their their eyes. You've got every one of them counted. I I can't count them, but every one of them is just a a little little moment of brokenness. From the student who said, "I, I don't know what the definition of rock bottom is, but I've hit it. God, thank you that I just could be present there with her. Thank you that these folks here in this room, that there are people they will see this week who just need presence. They just need to know that they're loved. And these guys here can be the representative, be the representation of the glory and the presence of God everywhere they go. We thank you for that, Father. Guys, why don't we do this? Let's sing this song together coming back to the heart of Jesus I think think it has a little bit of a new meaning for me now let's sing this song together and offer it as a prayer and then when we're done Shelly can come back and, and close us out
But why don't you guys go ahead and stand if you want. If you want to sit, that's cool. But let's go ahead and stand and sing this one more time. When the music fades, all is just away. Every single breath I'll bring you more 